Go with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. As we are now nearing the end of our series through the book of Ephesians, we'll begin tonight by reading verses 18 through 20, once again from Ephesians chapter 6. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Last week, we covered the first three words of verse 19. Remember in verse 18, Paul here, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, says, pray always with all prayer and supplication. And then he says, beginning of verse 19, and for me. And we should never neglect the prayers of the saints. He gives his prayer request. And the emphasis last week was, we need to become transparent. We need to be vulnerable, if you will. We need to admit when we have weaknesses. We need to admit when we need prayer. We need to admit that we don't have all the answers. We don't have it all figured out, that we're all still growing. We need the prayers of the saints. We then considered some passages from the Apostle Paul that seemed to point to his weaknesses and how he asked for prayer in those areas, how he was being transparent to those that he was writing to We also considered how Charles Spurgeon did the same thing as he battled his depression. We don't have to pretend to be super Christians, because we're not. We do need prayer. We don't have to be so prideful as to never admit that we have a weakness. We need the prayer of the saints. Now, for this week, let's take a closer look at Paul's prayer request. Let's look real quickly again, verses 19 and 20. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And I mentioned towards the end of last week's message that Paul's request here essentially is he wants to be effective in advancing and proclaiming the gospel. And we see the first thing he asked for is that utterance may be given unto him. And I have discovered through studying this that utterance is such an interesting word. And the reason I took a little bit of time to research this word is because I don't really know that I use it a whole lot in my vocabulary. And I think when I do, I probably use it wrong. It's a word that I think may have inadvertently been reduced to a lesser meaning through the years than it meant at the time. I think sometimes we use uttered when we ought to have used muttered. Oh, we're just getting started. Someone might wrongly say he was uttering something, talking about something kind of secretive that's being said, but what they really meant, he was muttering something. And really both of those words have been reduced to a lesser meaning because Some people think of muttering as incoherent, but that would be sputtering. (laughs) Are you enjoying it so far? There's more to come. To utter 
actually means to articulate and enunciate out loud. And utter is complete and absolute. The gospel must be preached unto the uttermost of the world. It can save to the uttermost. To utter then is actually to very clearly herald something. It's something that is very clearly heard. It's articulate. It's absolute. It's a way of speaking out loud. And the suffix, A-N-C-E, ants, when that's added to a word, it's used to describe quality, such as the word brilliance. So when ants is added to utter, we get utter ants, and that means to speak out loud with quality. What a great word. Look, I know nothing about the English language, amen. I'm so excited about this, and y'all are looking at me like, yeah, duh. I went through all of that not to show that while some may not view utterance as a powerful word, it is actually a very powerful word when it's used as it is in our text. It's effectively communicating orally. Colossians 4, 3, and 4 says, with all, this is again Paul giving a prayer, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And Paul's desire is for opportunity to have freedom to preach the gospel clearly to others. That in his speech, he would make the mystery of Christ manifest. That he would make it clearly known to those He's speaking too. And so we see how utterance is to effectively communicate this message. Paul is asking for the words to be, giving un, to be given unto him that will make what he has to say worth listening to. Because many people feel like they have to say something, but they may not have something to say. Amen. We see that with Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. For he was not what to say. Don't say anything then. That might have been for me. But many can't help saying something, but not all are saying something that can help. Paul is praying that his words will have an impact upon the listener. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he writes, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And this is critical because we don't want people to have faith in us. But we want people to have faith in God through Christ. We're not looking to establish a cult where you hang on everything the leader says. But we are looking to be a body of believers established by the very word of God. 
Therefore, we must have the Spirit of God upon us. The day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the Holy Spirit which enables us to communicate God's message effectively. Have you ever found yourself talking to someone and you're thinking, Lord, I don't have the answers to what they need. Holy Spirit, will you please speak through me? When our Lord called the Apostle Paul to preach, Paul relays his calling to King Agrippa in Acts 26, 18, where he says the Lord told him to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in me. In, in order to accomplish this, Paul would need utterance. The, the mission that God called Paul to do, he would need to be able to effectively communicate. The Spirit of God would have to speak through him so that others would hear what it is God has done for them. He would need wisdom to speak in such a way that the gospel would be completely understood. Brother Jones, do you know how to turn this off? He would need to be able to communicate God's word effectively. And I hope this is your prayer as well. I hope that's your desire. Is that you need to pray. And we need to pray for each other. That we would be effective. That we'd be very effective in communicating the gospel of Christ to a lost and dying world. The same people who will spend eternity in a devil's hell forever separated from God if they don't turn to God. But how shall they hear if we don't tell them? And next we see Paul prays to open his mouth boldly. To speak boldly here is defined by Strong's as all outspokenness. It means to openly be blunt. And confident in what you are proclaiming. Now, what this means for many of you is you have to learn to be of to be strong and of a good courage at your places of employment, at your school, around your family members. You have to learn to speak out. Now, to speak out bluntly doesn't mean you need to speak ugly. I've had enough of cantankerous, independent Baptist. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be a jerk. But you can be blunt, you can be straightforward, and you can be candid. And what it means, I believe, maybe more of an application for us today is this. We are not to dodge the issues. Because we know the message isn't popular. How many times have we seen famous preachers get on television, maybe like the Larry King live show, and they get asked the question, is there only one way to God? And they begin to hem-haw around. Well, you know, Larry, I'm not the judge. God sees the heart and, and He'll sort all that out. I think we've all seen that. 
Well, according to the Bible, the answer is black and white. Why can't they just quote the Bible? Then it's not even you who are getting in trouble. You're just quoting God's Word. How about saying, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That wasn't hard. Or how about quoting Acts 4.12? Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Why can't they just bring themselves to say what God's Word says? Why can't they just be bold? They claim to follow the Bible, but then act as if it's not applicable to all of mankind. Well, you know, they're going to get to heaven based off the truth they have. And if that truth just happens to be Islam or the Church of Mormon or whatever, God will grant them access because God is merciful. That's not what the Bible says. Well, I think people can come to God through what they know. Wrong. There's only one way to God. Thankfully, many have been bold enough to get on there and say that. And we need to be bold enough to speak the truth of God's Word openly and not cower in fear for what others may think or say about us. When Jesus was on trial, the chief priest asked Him about His doctrine. And in John 18, 20 and 21, Jesus replied this way, I spake openly to the world. That's the same Greek word for boldly in our text. I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me, which I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I, they know what I said. Jesus had preached and taught boldly. And it's interesting, Jesus says, I haven't said anything in secret. And if you want to know what I have taught and what I have preached, why don't you go ask the people that have heard me? Now, apply that to your life. I wonder how many in here could say if they were on trial, you want to know what I believe? Why don't you go ask my coworkers? Why don't you ask those that I live with and my family members? Why don't you ask my classmates? You want to know what I believe? You can just talk to the people that I rub shoulders with every day. Boom. And then, would those same people be able to repeat what you say you believe? That which you say you believe in here, could we ask those out there and would they say the same thing? Now, I'm not talking about are you obnoxious, but do you speak boldly and openly? And notice this isn't just a lifestyle testimony. There's this idea that we can just live a certain way and the lost are going to magically figure out that we have Christ. That's not what this verse says. It says, you pray for me that I could open my mouth boldly. It wasn't enough to show His stripes. It wasn't enough to show His scars. 
But he said, I need to open my mouth and proclaim Christ. Are you opening your mouth boldly? Now, your walk needs to match your talk. Amen. We all know that. So they do go hand in hand. And it's great that you have your little verse of the day on your desk. It's great that you have God's creation calendar hanging on your wall in your office. And that's great. You don't use foul language. And it's great that you don't go to the smoke pit. And that's great. You don't join them for alcohol after work. But are you opening your mouth? Are you boldly proclaiming your faith? As opportunity gives you a chance for utterance. Being bold is being able to say those things which are not popular. Or those things you know that others will not want to hear. I remember while being in survival school as an E4 and I was assigned to a squad with a lieutenant as a leader. And he brought up religion. He was a Mormon. And he said, I want to pray for our mission today. And I said, I'm not praying with you. You don't have the same God I have. Oh, and by the way, I don't need another testament to understand what the New Testament says. We need to be bold enough to proclaim that there is a hell created for the devil and his followers. And if someone chooses not to follow God, they're casting their lot in with Satan and they'll share in the same fate. And that should break our heart. To boldly proclaim the Word of God. We need to be bold enough that when someone says in response, well, I'll be in hell partying with my friends for all eternity. We need to be able to answer back. No. You're going to be where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You'll be in agonies for all eternity. All for rejecting Christ. And listen, I hinted at this just a second ago, but it's not that hard to be bold about what God's Word says because it's not even our opinions. Therefore, when we open our mouth, it's not even really what we think. I didn't choose the way of salvation. It's not hard to be bold about what someone else has said. I hear that a lot. People can be all kinds of bold when they think they've hurt something. What does God say? It's not even in your words. All you've got to do is repeat it. Our boldness testifies to who we are. Whatever you're bold about. I've seen people get bold about the sports. Well, I watch the game and I know. And look, that's fine. I love sports. I love competition except for spoons, which is the dumbest game on the planet. No offense. Um, I'll play anything else but that game. I know, she's looking at me like I just committed one of the cardinal sins. Um, you know, our, what we're bold about is it testifies what we feel strongest about. The Bible says Peter was full of the Holy Ghost when he stated, neither is there salvation in any other. But listen to what is said next in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Now, when they, those he was speaking to, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John 
and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Think about that. They saw their boldness. How did they see their boldness? It was because they spoke the word of truth. Their boldness wasn't seen because they were a loud mouth schnook from Foghorn Leghorn. Their boldness wasn't seen because they spoke with all this wisdom of education. These were not highly educated men. They even said, these men are unlearned and they're ignorant. They didn't go to the finest colleges and seminaries in Israel. Their boldness was seen because they spoke openly and confidently. And they looked at them as if they were learned men. And they walked away from that marveling saying, I know who they've been around. They've been around Jesus. How's that for a testimony? Wouldn't it be great if your boldness were seen by the way you confidently opened your mouth concerning God's Word? Concerning His way of salvation? That you were just bold about it? Wouldn't it be great if your boldness were tied to you being a faithful Christian? Wouldn't it be great if others would conclude about you? I know why He's bold. He's been with Jesus. Well, the persecution was about to begin against the early church there in chapter 4. They had threatened them not to speak or teach the name of Christ. And so they began to pray. You know what they prayed for? Prayed for boldness. In Acts 4.29 it says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And the answer to that prayer came in verse 31 where it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. Throughout all the persecution in the book of Acts, we find the first century church boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ in every location they were called to go. We have clearly seen that for godly utterance and boldness, it must be by the Holy Spirit of God. Proverbs 28.1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. And now lastly, in verse 19, we see what Paul needs to make utterance and speak boldly about. It is here called the mystery of the gospel. He needs to be able to effectively communicate and boldly proclaim the gospel, but more precisely, the mystery of the gospel. And we sure could get into the weeds right here. But I'm not going to complicate the issue tonight for sake of taking more time than I think we would really need to. But real quick, what is the mystery of the gospel? In Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to His saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In short, the mystery of the gospel is this. It's Christ in us. 
It's being born again. It's God saving us. It's having God dwell within us. And Paul desires the prayers of the saints to be able to communicate this truth to the lost, especially to the Gentiles to whom he has been called. Let's remember what Paul has already written to these Ephesians in this letter. He wrote this in chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This was the great mystery in the first century. And it's still a great mystery today to the people of Israel throughout the Middle East. And we could say it's a great mystery to all of the lost. And Paul, he's requesting prayer that, pray for me that I could effectively communicate this. You see, it doesn't make sense to the lost. Salvation through Christ has always been a mystery. How can you get life out of death? It's the riddle that Samson had as he took, lion, he took honey out of a dead lion. It's a picture of Christ. How do you get life out of death? How can the death of Christ be sweet? It's a mystery. 1 Corinthians 1.27 But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And why has God made it this way? Well, we would read in 1 Corinthians 1.25 that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And the reason He has done that is because of verse 29 over there where He says that no flesh should glory in His presence. God has set it up to where salvation can be only one way. And He has set it up to where there's only one who is qualified to save. It's a mystery to the lost. But you know and I know that once their hearts turn to Christ, the veil is removed. It all makes sense. Now, I've got to wrap this up. What is Paul? What is it that Paul understood in making this prayer request? Why does he make it? What did he know? He understood that the work of God must be through the power of prayer. Let me say that again. He understood that the work of God must be through the power of prayer. He knew this from experience, number one. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-11, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, how that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. Listen now. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Paul recognized the power of praying saints. He understood how it had helped him be delivered and how it helped him to keep going through all the hard times and keep pressing on for God. 
And Paul also knew this when he gave this prayer request in Ephesians, that Satan seeks to hinder the work of God. The truth of God's Word cannot be stopped. I preached that on Sunday morning recently. It will not return void. But those who try to deliver God's Word, Satan will try to hinder. He wants to stop us from delivering the Word of God. From uttering it boldly. He wants to affect our efforts as we try to reach the lost. This is why Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not the faith. What was it that would keep the word of the Lord from having free course? Well, grammatically, my understanding is when you see a colon, what follows after that is going to explain what was just said. And so with that in mind, he's asking prayer for the Word of the Lord to have free course. And the reason that he's asking for that prayer isn't because the Word of God itself would be lacking, but he goes on to say it's because there are unreasonable and wicked men. That's the reason why the Word of the Lord may not have free course, because they're going to try to hinder us from getting to the lost sinner. They're going to try to hinder us from effectively communicating the gospel. That seems to be so fitting of America today. God hasn't lost power. His Word hasn't lost power. But it is through unreasonable and wicked means that the Word of God has been hindered in going forth in our country. The ACLU seeks to hinder it. It's been taken out of our schools. It's been taken out of our government institutions. There are times when... I heard a testimony of a preacher. He was called by the Congress of their state and they said, we want you to come and open us up in prayer, but you cannot say the name of Christ. You know what he did? Every sentence had the name Christ in it. And Lord, it's the Christ that they don't want to hear that they need. I think we could rightly say that what has happened in America is that we have not prayed as we should for the Word of the Lord to have free course. It hasn't disturbed us enough to cause us to pray. What would happen if we became convinced of what Paul had become convinced of? What would happen if we would begin to earnestly pray for those who proclaim the gospel faithfully? James 5.16 tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our problem today isn't that God isn't willing. Our problem today isn't because the Word of God is weakened, but our problem today is because God's people have not become desperate enough to fervently pray. And we're content. Prayer makes a big difference in the effectiveness of our churches. Just think about this. There are many churches with a Bible, but how many are truly effective? How many have the power of the Holy Ghost upon them? It's amazing how the same message can be preached to two different congregations. It can be preached by the same preacher, same message, two different congregations, and it will come out totally different. One reason is because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I hate preaching in dead church. It's amazing how two churches 
can be alike doctrinally and the same message be received so differently. And there's no doubt that prayer is involved somewhere in those scenarios. It's either a lack of prayer or it's a lot of prayer. What kind of church do we want to be? I want to be where the Word of the Lord has free course. I want to be where we are effectively communicating the gospel that we're speaking boldly, that we're not being ugly about things, but that we're doing the best thing we can do and giving people the truth. Let's pray for God to use us effectively and for me. We pray that utterance may be given unto me, that I may boldly open my mouth, show the lost the mysteries of the gospel. Hallelujah. Let's pray.